talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No but wait wait I have something for him Boom shut down Now you just fucking me aren't you <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast Concentrate on the news Wow! <laughs> FY, there's nothing wrong. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History Eretals Podcast. I am your host, Moses Soria. With me to my right is Achi. And with me to my right is not Josh. Josh is not so, here today. So today is going to be a two-man episode. My brother was caught up with life, I guess. And today he's not going to join us. But it's just yeah, for one episode. He's going he's gonna to he's, he's be back. You know, you know what? No, no. This goes with the theme. Because we're going to be talking about what? All things curses. He's cursed. He is cursed. He's fucking cursed. He is cursed. And he He's a curse to the app. He's a curse to the fucking podcast. There you go. That's what the fuck he is. There you go. And today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about cursed items, cursed places, and I'm going to throw at you guys some self curses, or it's just, they're, they're positive curses that you could curse yourself with <laughs> i'm not sure if curses are, are considered positive bro well that's the thing like that's true curses curses <laughs> has a negative connotation to it you're right you're right but today uh my sources for today's episode for today's episode is one of them is called the little book of curses and maledictions for everyday use by don ray downton another one is evil archaeology demons Possessions and Sinister Relics by Heather Lynn. And then I have an evil-ass book called The Grimorium Verum, edited and translated by Joseph H. Peterson. Now, this book I got of just like two or three because looking through it, there's incantations on how to, uh, um, how, to, uh, how to talk to the devil, how to talk to Beelzebub, how to do a bunch of shit. It's a phone scary books man so i'm gonna i'm gonna put all these they're all on amazon i got these on amazon prime <laughs> i mean day delivery buddy i mean you can't you, you could do the widget you could buy the widget board at target you can you can so there's a game of thrones uh, widget board that was, that was really no nah, there wasn't <laughs> <laughs> but you can find i'm gonna put the links for all these books so you guys can look at them at the on the episode show notes mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so today well i'm gonna start off the episode talking about places where evil dwells so we all have heard or seen some places whether natural or man-made that are known to be either mysterious haunted hexed or sometimes even possessed by evil forces like the taco bell restroom but for the most part these places have evidence associated with them to indicate that horrible things occurred whether they be mass graves or skeleton with missing bones, written accounts of horrible macabre doings. So, like, uh, there's a lot of places that are evil, but because evil things have happened there. Not so a it's kind of like pace, neg- but just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we have other locations that give no proof beyond just stories that anything actually did happen, but they just feel evil. Some places. Just give no explanation on why they give off such bad energies. Such as Shibalba, the Mayan hell. So about 120 miles west of Cancun, 
near the tip of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, lies an ancient, an ancient gateway to the underworld. During the height of the pre-Columbian Mayan culture, a series of magical caves were revered as the entrance to Xibalba, which meant the place of fear. The Mayans believed that when people died, they began a new journey to, uh, I can't pronounce this word, Tamuanchan? It's T-A-M-O-A-N-C-H-N, Tamuanchan, or Tamuancan. There's different pronunciations. I went to howtopronounce.com. There's like 17. Uh, that same word? Yes, because there's like, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm just going to pronounce it Tamanquan. There you go. Tamanquan. So this place, which is basically the heaven, it's a place of eternal peace and beauty. Beginning with the first nine steps to the dark abyss of Shibalba, these caves are a series of underground chambers full of gnarled tree roots and vines, floors full of snakes, spiders, and scorpions crawling among the broken skull fragments. They also have slick and uneven staircases that sometimes just lead into complete darkness and others into some underground lakes. So according to Mayan legend, the only way for souls to pass through and skip this hellish part on the way to heaven was to die honorably. And by die honorably, they mean die during warfare, obviously, as a sacrificed victim, on the ball court, or in childbirth. Those are the only ways you can skip these caves. Just by going to those places. Well, you have to die by either dying during war, during be a sacrificed victim, die on the ball court. Do you remember? Do you ever watch the game? Do you ever watch the movie uh, on the road, the road to El Dorado? No. Well, All right. Talk to me. Well, there's a there's a uh, they uh, well they're in the city of gold uh-huh. and um, there's a ball game that they play, and it's two. So basically, it's basically like soccer. Yeah. But it's basically soccer mixed with basketball. Is that the the old version that the Mayans would play? Exactly. Oh. But the losers would die. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way to skip Shibalba. If you played this game and you died in the ball court, you would skip Shibalba. You know, that's where pink slips came up from, right? What? Pink slips. What do you mean pink slips? Like driving for pink slips? Like racing for pink slips? What do you mean? That's where it came from. Like losing your possessions and shit. For real? Nah, just kidding. You piece of <laughs> shit. Yeah, so those are the only ways to skip these these fucking scary ass caves. So that's considered an honorable death. That's yeah, cool. right. and um, when you would skip Shibalba, when you would skip this whole cave system, yeah, Ixtab, the Mayan goddess of suicide, she appeared as a rotting corpse hanging by a noose, and she would and she would escort these honorable souls past Shibalba. So these caves are revered. Is there's there's People that, uh, there's been cases where people show up and they feel like they're being watched, they hear things, they see a bunch of shit, shadowy figures, but there's no reason why outside of the fact that the Mayans revered these caves as the entrance to Shivalva. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason, mm-hmm. the only reason why. There's no proof that anyone died down there. It was not a burial ground. It's just the only thing we have to go by is caves. Yeah. It's just stories about these caves. Yeah, yeah. But enough about caves. Let's go to a mysterious forest. So in the middle of a forest that looks older than time itself and is always covered in in a milky blue-white fog, a near-perfect oval exists where no trees grow, which can be seen from the air, has had its soil tested, and the test results have 
told science to go fuck itself. No one can explain why this patch of barren land exists and why it's been like that throughout its, throughout its recorded history. They say there is literally no reason for this area to keep defying nature, but there it is, still chilling. So the, they tested the soil out, and they're like, "This shit should be fine. Like, this shit should be fine." Wow. They have no reason to be for for it to be the way it is. They have uh-huh. no explanation for it, and it's called the clearing. This specific patch, uh-huh. it's called the clearing, which it's what it's most referred. That's what they call it, the clearing, mm-hmm. and it's and it's considered. The most terrifying place in what, in what has been called the most terrifying forest in the world. So the clearing is the scariest part of the scariest place in the world. Double whammy. The clearing is said to okay. attract everything from Romanian witches to psychic mediums who believe the clearing to be magical. So a lot of people go up to this place and they... Do their witchy shit because it's obviously it has it sums up with it. So Gilderay would love to be there. That he should. That's where you should have gone to summon fucking Baron. Fucked up. And the forest is named Hoya Bashu, and it got its name from a shepherd who went missing there with his entire flock of more than two hundred sheep. This who just disappeared with two hundred sheep. What? That's what. That's where they got the name for the forest. So the forest is located in the Carpathian foothills near Romania's fourth largest city. And to steal something from my brother, here's a fun fact. The forest lends its to your curse, bro. The forest lends its name to an amazing black metal band called Carpathian Forest. And they're a really dirty black metal band, which is a compliment when you're talking about black metal bands. They last released a two-song EP Last year as a tease, so go check out the song Like Em. Like I Am. Like Em from that EP. But a personal favorite of mine is a song unfortunately titled Suicide Song. So go check them out. Carpathian Forest. That plug. That plug. So the Hoyobashu is Transylvania's version of the Bermuda Triangle. Legends of the forest tell of encounters with the devil himself. Encounters with demons, ghosts, and other spirits of the dead. A five-year-old girl who was said to disappear in the forest appeared five years later, not having aged a day. What the fuck? Another account says that a woman was found at the edge of the woods with 15th century coins in her pocket. So the Hoyabishu is is aesthetically... The perfect haunted forest. When you think of haunted forests, how do you think of that forest? You th- you're gonna think of this place. Damn, Akugahara Forest. What you gonna do? Well, this th- this forest is even weirder because the trees are bent and twisted into strange shapes. There's trees that are bent into X's and Y's and circles. Like um, they're like zigzagged in within each other. It's just really creepy looking. And exaggerated S curves at the bottom of some of the trunks. So the roots that come out are all curved. It's just really creepy looking. Branches are braided together like thick strands of rope. But if that wasn't eerie enough, unlike other forests, the Hoyabashu is weirdly silent. 
What, there's no life there? What the fuck? The symphonies of birds and insects that you normally hear at a forest are noticeably gone. You could hear your heartbeat. You could hear everything you do when you move. You could hear all of that. But a lot of visitors claim that the silence of the forest is only interrupted by whispers. Wait, what? By whispers. That's, so the, he- that's the only thing you hear in the forest. Just You don't hear birds. You don't hear insects. You don't hear nothing. You just hear... I would go insane. Whispers. What the fuck? Even respected professors from the local university admit that they believe the forest is haunted. So, in 1968, a Romanian military technician named Emil Barnia, he took a picture of what he claims to be a UFO hovering over the clearing. At the time, the Romanian government was a thousand percent against paranormal beliefs and had no tolerance for the weird and eerie coming from their military personnel. So, they did not like any, they didn't believe in UFOs, they didn't believe in magic, they didn't believe in any of that shit. Don't make us look silly. And they had no tolerance for any military personnel to be believing in that shit. So when Emil went forward, they removed him from his post. Damn. He just disappeared. They removed him from his post, leading UFOologists to argue that Emil's images should be considered a credible account of UFO activity considering how much he had to lose when he came forward with these pictures. Sure. Because there was no gain for him. It was no gain. It was just lose, lose. Like knowing that he's gonna, that that's just going to happen anyway. Yeah, and he came forward and people were like, no, 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 these pictures should be real because he had nothing to gain from it. Like, there's nothing to gain from it. Shadowy figures and other strange phenomena still haunt and occur in this Carpathian forest. Visitors often report the feeling of being watched along with being riddled with high anxiety, headaches, and mysterious burns and scratches. Some have claimed that they have seen ghosts through the trees dressed in traditional Romanian uniform from centuries ago. Others claim that they walk, that when you walk by certain trees, they discovered that hours have passed in what seemed like seconds. What the? There's a tree that you would just go around. Oh, two seconds. It's one o'clock. You go around. You check. It's seven. You're like, what the fuck? And that's the Transylvania. That's the forest. Hoya Paju. But now let's talk about one place where we know why evil dwells amongst its walls. And now I'm talking about a Bavarian haunted convent. So it's no secret that the belief in the dark, witchcraft, and demonic possessions persist a lot longer in rural areas than in cities. People tend to believe more and they believe longer when you live outside, when you're in like little towns and cities. So one case involved the eventual possession of a group of nuns in a convent. So going back to 1744, many of these nuns spoke about hearing mysterious growls, moans, and seeing shadowy figures in the wall of the monastery, and seeing the movements of large furniture randomly happen. Over the next three years, a series of exorcisms had taken place with different results, as a large amount of the nuns seemed to have been taken over by demonic 
horses. A 69-year-old nun named Maria Renata Sanger von Mussel. Again, Maria Renata Sanger von Mussel. Is she, is she Mexican? She's Bavarian. But, well, Maria, she was in charge of the nunnery. And she was eventually she was eventually convicted of bewitching the other sisters and sending demons to possess them. She's a witch. So Maria, she came from a family of lower nobility, and in 1699, she was forced into the cloister, which is like a holy college, mm. when she was just 19. After serving the monastery for 50 years, she opposed the acceptance of another woman named Cecilia Pistorini because of her unusual behavior, including convulsions, convulsions, hallucinations, and delusions. This was in, this is in 1745, which she's like, no, 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 I don't want this lady in here. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, they let her in. Five years later, in 1749, another nun began to exhibit similar symptoms as the Cecilia. Many were considered signs of demonic possession. Screaming during the recital of the divine office, painful and and debilitating seizures, inconsolable writhing, moaning, and even foaming from the mouth, what happened to these nuns. When one of the sisters was on her deathbed, she accused Sister Maria of bewitching her. Word of this spread, which led to an internal investigation. Maria was then interrogated and finally confessed to heresy and admitted that she was a practicing witch and guilty of bewitching others after being tortured. She described having signed a pact with the devil as a child with her own blood and said she had sworn herself to the devil at the age of seven. By the age of 12, she claimed to have been baptized at a black mass before becoming a child prostitute. She continued to testify that she used dark magic to create vermin such as rats and insects to plague the hosts she wanted she was going after. So if she wanted to curse somebody, she wouldn't go out and do it herself. What she would do is she'd conjure up these rats, these insects, and send them to that person. She also confessed that she regularly, regularly got her guts wrecked by Satan and his minions. Wait, what? She went out and during this confession, she said she had a lot of sex with Satan and his demons. Plenty of times. And it would happen a lot. It, where, where she's at? In the monastery. Oh, fuck. So she would, so she would be over, so you know, she'd be giving people the holy water, doing all yeah. this shit. She'd go into her back room and she'd get her shit cracked by the devil. Damn, they go and train. <sighs> These motherfucking diablitos. So the bishop, he accepted her confession, and she was then convicted. Her room was swept, and her collection of poisons, ointments, and potions were discovered. The verdict was announced on June 18, 1749, and three days after, she was publicly beheaded and her body was burned. Her head was then displayed in a spike for all to see. 
So speaking and going on uh, on the topic of cursed locations. So when I was looking at cursed locations, it was tough, man. It was hard to find the difference between what's cursed and what's haunted. But basically curses are are what you will receive for either arriving to this place or taking something from this place. And that's exactly what I, and that's I'm so glad you were able to get the distinction. Yeah. Because it was my fault. I didn't tell I just told you guys, oh, we're doing a cursed episode. You guys are like, What? What do we do? Just anything cursed. Yeah. And it'll <clears throat> yeah, there's a there's a lot of cursed items, and I'll go into that after. But I'm gonna be focusing a lot on Italy. Apparently there's a lot of cursed locations over in Italy, man. I don't know what the Italians are doing. But one of the f- the first cursed locations is up Poglia Island. And so the Pog- Poglia Island has a long history of just awful shit that has happened <laughs> basically in this place that's considered a cursed location. This place is located between Venice and Lido uh, in the Venetian Lagoon. During the Roman Empire, a plague that was believed to be leprosy hit hard. And so to avoid the spread, the Romans would actually ship out those who have this plague into this very small island to basically live there for the rest of their life. Oh, so they'll just ship all these plague people like, oh, just fuck off and go lie in that island. Like, hey, y'all are doing too much. Take these fuckers over here. Doing too much? I am dying, sir. <laughs> go die over there. Go <laughs> die somewhere else. We don't need you to shit here. So during the medieval times, the plague returned yet again. But this time with fucking vengeance because this is, I'm guessing this is what was a black plague because it killed nearly two-thirds of Europe's population. Nope, that was the black plague. And used this island not only as a place to ship out those who were believed to have this disease, but also as a gravesite for those who have fallen victim to this. So huge emphasis on believe. Like, if you look like it, it could have been another fucking disease. It could have not been the plague at all. You could have just been tired on no sleep. Like, hey, bro, why are you yawning? Why are your eyes like, red? Ship them out. You're just smoking some weed or fucking getting all dirty and shit. Haven't taken a shower in weeks. But if you look the part, you're out of here. Fuck. Deuces. And you know they sent innocent people Deuces. over there. It was so many, dude. God damn it. And there were so many freaking bodies that, they were, con- that were constantly being taken. That at one point, they just said, fuck the traditional burial. We're literally just going to dump the bodies in a general gravesite and just, hey, no mas, fuck them. Just leave them there? Just leave them there. Oh, so it's a mass grave. So not only was it like a home site for all these people that are still trying to live for at least like the last whatever, however long they lasted for because of their disease, but there's just like filled with freaking just dead bodies. It's freaking, it was, it was literally a gravesite. Fuck. And with all the decaying bodies, it literally caused the soil to rot. With about 50% of the ash that, in, that is in that island being human ash from the remains. It's crazy, though. When I was reading that because of this human ash, that a lot of vineyards are actually able to bloom because of that, for that reason. In that island? Because of the ash, it has these nutrients that you're able to grow grapes like a mother. Yeah. So you're telling me, if I want to create my own wine company, I should start burning people so my grapes would grow with an extra oomph to it? Grow at your own cost. All right. Pretty sure all the freaking, the, the vineyards out there, all the freaking, the owners are like, 
supposed to say that shit. Hey, but I wonder, were you able to grow grapes on this island before the human ash? That is a good question. Because... Because if, if you weren't able to grow these grapes before all these burnt people, before all this ash, all these all this human ash, I wouldn't want to fuck with that wine. Because I'd be like, all right, this wine is, or these grapes, well, well yeah, yeah. wine, because yeah, they're yeah, wine, yeah. yeah. I'm, this is because of dead people. Not only dead people, but dead people with the fucking plague. And you think the Black Plague added in... More hop? I'm pretty sure. All right. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that that created its own freaking entity because all these freaking wines have all these different types of flavors. Anyways, I'm not a wine drinker. The torture, however, doesn't stop there because in 1922, a psychiatric hospital was open for the families to drop off their mentally disturbed loved ones there at this island. These families, of course, did not realize that in doing so, they were opening up the doors to the inhumane experimentation on these patients by doctors who had creative medical appetites. Just like the craze that we talked about from the previous episodes on Mad Scientist. Go ahead and check out that episode. You want to know more info on the crazy experiments that happened at that time. Oh, I like that plug. Nice. Doctors in po- Poveglia Island also had a thing for lobotomy. Fucking lobotomies, bro. It's- God damn it. It's it's know about, if you want to know more about lobotomies, you can listen to our episode two, Insane Asylums. The plug for the plug. And of course, a common theme here is that many patients that had this experiment done to them, or any experiments for, for that matter, were done to them against their will without giving any anesthesia or, and also in unsanitary conditions. And this is where the curse begins. One of the surgeons from the hospital loved to do special experiments, especially on the top of one of the bell towers that were there at the hospital. That was his thing. We're going to the top of this tower and just doing shit on people. Yeah. So this one particular doctor, he would choose select, quote unquote, clientele for him to bring up to that tower and do certain experiments that they wouldn't do in, in general in the hospital. And not only that, though, because it is the top of the bell tower, you can hear the screams of the torment of these poor and unfortunate souls from all around the island. Dude, I'll, I don't know if I'm skipping too far. Are you going to say what some of his experiments are? No. All right, because I was going to say, how this hospital was opened solely for the purpose of experimenting on these sick people. Now, this motherfucker took it a step further and said, I'm going to do all the shit y'all don't want to do in this tower. God damn. And because they're isolated in their own little island. No one's going to say no shit. No one's going to say shit. You'd be lucky if you hear stuff around. And if you and, and if people are going to say, what are they going to say? Like, oh, you heard screams coming from an island full of people from the plague? I expect that. Like, you're not going to. It's like, oh, you're, you're just hearing ghosts. You know, it's not the real thing. But you know what they say, though. Goes around, comes around. It said that the doctor eventually became mad and started hearing the voices of those who he himself have tormented. His insanity drove him to his own death when the doctor flung himself from the top of the bell tower where the doctor would commit these horrendous acts. Supposedly, 
a nurse actually witnessed the doctor die from the top of the bell tower and actually survived the fall. <laughs> but not for long, though, because she said that an odd fog rolled over to the doctor where she heard him scream and then choke to death. So there's a belief that this fog that rolled in were all the spirits of the people, he- the people that he tormented. Oh, fuck. He did that. And also there's another theory that he wasn't pushed or he wasn't pushed by a spirit, but possibly pushed by the freaking patient themselves, grabbed him to the top and just flung him over. I like that one better. Crazy enough, though, the hospital actually stayed open up until 1968. Holy shit. So this, this place opened in 1922. And even the, after the fact of all this shit, stayed open until 1968. Years after the hospital's closure, the island actually went up for sale and was purchased by a very wealthy family. The family wanted the island initially to build a vacation home. But, however, the family couldn't stand there being any longer than one day. (laughs) Because the first night, their daughter's face was mysteriously scratched up. And this was more than enough for the family to get their belongings and flee the island, never to return to it again. So it's believed that the, the, the girl's face was at a point where it was going to be tearing off from her body. That that's how bad that scratch was. Oh, fuck. Like someone was literally trying to peel her face off. And they're like, no, uh, we're out. I wonder how rich you have to be for you to buy an island. Be there one day. Be like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's just go home. Let's get we the fuck like, out of there. We spent all our money. We spent all our freaking fortune. Now we'll, we'll go get another island. You know what's crazy too? Islands aren't that expensive. Most islands aren't that expensive. Unless you're going to go to like, unless you're going to buy like a resort island, like one that's already like. Pre-made with all the free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like most, like you could buy islands. There are uh, tons of islands that are cheaper than houses here in LA. I believe it. I believe it. But good. Good luck trying to live in an island though. I need Wi-Fi. Those those TAMS runs though. I'll open my own TAMS. I'll (laughs) open up my own Wi-Fi. My own AC. I'm good. It's starting to sound pricey, though. And, of course, the island was up for sale yet again. But time and time again, either the owners were either haunted by the ghosts of the island or further heard the story or further heard the stories concerning the island and then decided not to purchase it in the end. Since its last attempt to sell the island, it was just abandoned. The Italian government actually made this a restricted area and made it illegal for anyone to set foot on this island again. Of course, this doesn't stop curious thrill seekers from going to visit the island. There have been many accounts of those who visit the island who, where they hear screams, they hear the bell towers ringing, as well as the voices telling them to get out, and some even having physical contact of feeling grabbed pushed or shoved to get out of the island damn so don't fuck with this island because the island will fuck with you and you said it's by italy right it's by italy yeah it's uh by venice all right now bringing it back to the states god damn ghost town of Bodie here in california god damn it so found on the far side of yosemite near mono lake Bodie state park is actually one of the most famous ghost towns of america in the 1800s, Bodie was a booming town with about 10,000 occupants. Now, however, only about 
five of the original buildings still stand. Mining was a primary occupation of many of the men from the town, and of course, many of them fell victim to mining accidents, which happened pretty frequently. It's said that the spirits of these poor unfortunate souls still roam around this town. And this is where it gets kind of weird or creepy. Um, it's said that a lot of these ghosts that are part of this town are very into their possessions. They don't want to lose their shit. Just like how the, the pharaoh doesn't want his freaking treasure stolen. Not only that, sometimes uh, lights can be seen turned on and off as well as saloon music being played. But unlike the P- Paveglia Island ghosts, these ghosts don't come after you just simply because. Instead, they only come up to you if you decide to take a little souvenir of your own. Those who are brave enough take a, these small belongings from these ghost miners that have said to have faced many misfortunes, losing money, having bad luck, and sometimes even losing loved ones. The bad luck is said to only be reversed if the items are returned back to Bodhi. So let's say you go to a saloon or something. You take like a little shot glass. Take it home with you. You're fucked. Unless you got bad luck. Unless you bring it unless back. Unless you return it back. Okay. And so the, the state park rangers actually receive mail from all over the world. Sometimes not even telling you where that place is from. Like they're just like returning it just to return it. Because they don't. Obviously, you don't want to get in fucking trouble. So, you're just like, here, take it back. There's no return address. <laughs> no return address. And they'll receive these along with letters apologizing for taking what they did, hoping that this curse would be reversed. There are similar stories that arise from all over the world that actually happen similarly like this one. Uh, some of them include the pebbles of Kogham in Thailand, the Blarney Stone Rocks in Ireland, and the Ayer Rocks in uh, Central Australia. So, similarly, we take it, your curse, yeah, bring it back. Basically, we, I mean, basically, you're asking for it because you're yeah. just bringing all this negative shit. Yeah, so the curse isn't you. the location. Well, yeah, it's it's not the fact that you're there, but it's more if you take something from, from there. From there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the next curse location is the PH initials in St. Andrews University in Scotland. So it's for all the university folks out there. All the college goers. The cursed Josh that's not here right now. Just outside St. Salvatore's Chapel in St. Andrews University in Scotland are the initials PH, made out of cobblestones. In 1528, 24-year-old preacher and faculty member Patrick Hamilton was burned at the stake for heresy. As a Patrick Hamilton was burning for an agonizing six hours, Holy shit. it is said that he placed a curse on all the St. Andrews University students and future students who stand at his burning place. It is said that those students who stand on the initials, it's not that bad, but you're trying to get the fuck out of there and you have a lot of fucking loans, can't be bad. Failed all of their future exams, preventing them from graduating. Fuck. So don't stand on the freaking initials PH because you will not graduate from college because you're going to be failing all your exams. There are, there's a tradition, I guess, that the students do that if they do stand there by by mistake, um, what they have to do to revert the curse 
Not to go skinny deeping in a freezing North Sea, the butt crack of dawn on May 1st. And this tradition is called the May Dip. And also, students say that uh, if you look up at the entrance of the church, you can actually see Patrick's face glaring from the stone above the arch. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you want to visit that place? Just make sure you don't stand on the words PH. I'm just keeping Unle- it. Just like Unless you're not, uh, I'm just not going to college. No. So you got to fucking worry about filling exams. And the last two. <clears throat> like I said, a lot of shit happening in Italy. The last two are also from Italy. <clears throat> the first one is called the Palazzo Dario. This 540-year-old home was dubbed the house that kills. This home was built in 1479 for aristocrat Giovanni Dario. After his death, the home was inherited by his daughter, Marietta, and husband, Vincenzo. Vincenzo. This is when the tragedies began to occur. Vincenzo was stabbed to death shortly after Marietta committed suicide at the Grand Canal, and their son, Vincenzo Jr., was assassinated in Crete. The next victim came when the British scientist Randon Brown took ownership. After having his home for about four years, he became bankrupt and his relationship with another man caused this huge scandal. He became so overwhelmed that he committed suicide in 1842. After that, an American millionaire by the name of Charles Briggs also faced a similar fate after the ownership of the home after accusing him of being gay, which he then fled with his lover in Mexico, where his lover also committed suicide. But then it wasn't until 1964 when the next person that was to step foot in the property happened. Famous operatic tenor singer Mario de Monaco was in negotiations in purchasing the home. However, on the day of signing the contract for the ownership of the home, Mario was involved in, in a very serious car accident that made him rethink his decision. <laughs> he was just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get this home. Skirt. Yeah, never mind. Nah, let's. The, the Who rock band manager's Kit Lambert <clears throat> actually bought this palace. But due to the overwhelming paranormal activity that happened in the home, he actually ended up staying in a hotel nearby. American director, director Woody Allen even considered in purchasing the home. But after doing some further research and hearing about the horror stories that happened there, he immediately changed his mind. And then lastly, in 2002, John Etwitzel, which is a Who's original bass player, actually suffered a heart attack after just renting out the home for only a week. Fuck. It is believed that the reason for all these deaths and misfortunes is due to the house being built over an old Templar cemetery. Who knows if the people are, are living there still. But fishermen don't even dare to cast their robes nearby the curse Palazzo Dario. <laughs> and then lastly, we have the town of Col- Colobrado, which is also in Italy. Colobrado is a small town located in the rolling green hills of Italy. This countryside town can be any more beautiful with its postcard-perfect views. However, something very strange happened in Colorado 
which is why the locals refer to this place as that town. Reason why is because it's believed that those who speak its name will be cursed. So I'm already cursed. The story goes that in the 20th century, a lawyer and a witch were responsible for the curse. So now, can I get more info on this? Whether or not the, the, the witch was there or it was witch that casted the spell, the spell the or curse on the curse on the lawyer. But anyways, basically, the lawyer was known to have never been losing a case. And at one time, he exclaimed during a court case that if his statements were false, the chandelier in the room would come crashing down. And sure enough, it did. It crashed? Yep. Holy shit. So, what, what do you think what would happen? Like, what do you think happens after that? If you are in a court of law, you are the judge. The fucking lawyer is like, your honor, if I am fucking lying to you, and he's a defense attorney, right? Yeah. He's defending a piece of shit. Yeah. He's, he's like, your honor, if I am lying, let this fucking chandelier fall. And the fucking chandelier immediately falls. What do you do? Judge? Oh, shit. Judge is right there. Fuck. Bailiff? Or what's the name of the police? Bailiffs? Bail- Bail- I think it's bailiff. Bailiffs? Yeah. I don't know. Arrest this man. <laughs> this man. God is giving me a signal. <laughs> Arrest him. He's guilty. Fuck, fuck separation of church and, church and state for right now. He just gave me a sign. Big man. Thank you. God gave me a heads up and I am listening. You out. So I don't know if that the witch <coughs> caused that to happen. This caused this whole havoc. But besides the fact, because of this happening, this actually cursed the town. Rumors started surfacing that the women of this town were actually witches. In the 1950s, uh, they really feared this elderly woman that actually existed, but was no, they, they notably known as La Catre, who many claimed that she was the witch of the town. And according to, local, um, to the locals, uh, there was a story that anthropologists came in at one time to study the town, but all of them either died because of freak accidents or illnesses. The people of the town, however, did not mind being called a cursed town. As a matter of fact, they actually embraced the rumors and the folklore that this caused. Apparently, this place is popping during during the summer for tourism. <laughs> and the townspeople dress up as witches and wizards and host festivals and celebrations and even encourage the tourists to wear and bring whatever emulates they have to help ward off the quote-unquote Evil, evil from the town. So far in the episode, we've heard nothing but bad news. Whether it's bad places, people being people being cursed, all sorts of negative, evil shit. So what I wanted, so what I want to do right now is throw out into the world some positive vibes and let the listeners know about a few self curses. And self curses are curses you place on yourself but for positive reasons. Like some can keep you on track and not missing deadlines, falling short of goals, procrastinating, overeating, drinking, or just, you know, when you're feeling sick. One of the first ones I want to talk about is called the chopping block. The chopping block. 
and this was a self curse used by the old Norse, and it was a mag and it was magic used to get rid of joint pains in the elderly. But you can still, if you have shitty joints or arthritis, listen closely. Ooh. So the almost useless elder, what he would do is he would place his bare right foot on the block or the log first, then the left. The woodsman, he would make deep cuts into the block on either side of the foot. So he would, put with an axe, uh -huh. he would cut on the right side, left side, and the front side. He would just whack, right? But not the foot. Not the foot. Gotcha. Don't whack the foot. Okay. Or else you're <laughs> like that. <laughs> Don't whack goes, the foot. There goes your arthritis, boy. You need to worry about that foot anymore. So the woodsman, he, he made one chop into the block for each large joint in the body. He would swing so hard that by the time the spell was finished, the log was split into three. Okay. But don't worry. The modern version is less dangerous and doesn't really involve any sharp edges. You can use the spell as many times as you want, and there's, there's no limit. So go crazy. So what you'll need is a chopping block or some sort of stand-in, like a chunk of wood set on its side, or a small stool, or if you, you could just use a regular step. And then the second item you'll need is a toy hatchet. Has to be a hatchet and not an axe. What's the difference? I don't know, but to me they're exactly <laughs> the same. But it says you have to, you need a hatchet. Not an axe. Not an axe. Fuck. I don't. I have no idea. What, is hatchet double sided? I have. No, I have no idea. I think they're both. The same. I thought. I, I thought it was the yeah. same shit. Right, right. I, I think hatchet is double sided. And the axe maybe. is one sided. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, test my theory. Just Google it. People. I'll Google it later. So after you acquire the needed materials, you place your bare right foot on the chopping block, and with your left hand. You wave the hatchet in a counterclockwise circle over it three times. Put your right foot on the block, and with your left hand, you, you grab the hatchet and you counterclockwise three times. Sounds like some medieval hokey pokey shit. And then you repeat it with the right hand over the left foot. And after you do that three times with both the feet, Voila. Your <laughs> shitty joints should be no more. That one's, that one's called the chopping block. Don't fuck this up. And then, here are, and then here are just some random spells and curses for your everyday life. The first one, do you work late nights or have work early in the morning? Does your neighbor's shitty care of his amazing dog have the dog barking all night, keeping you awake? Well, do I have a spell for you? So in order to so in order to prevent a dog from barking, say this three times while watching the dog and lifting your hat straightforwardly. I don't know if they mean like the fedora, like milady bullshit, but that's down. I don't know what that means. But lifting your hat straightforwardly. Take out your hat. It's almost like you're faking smacking a fly. Or some Maybe. I don't know what that part is. Straightforwardly. You, you experiment. So basically, well, after you do all that, you say this three times. 
the barbarian ark, the heart is split and the tail is hung. The key of St. Peter closes your throat until tomorrow. You say that three times while you're staring at the dog and then you do the hat thing. They just say, and then the dog after that should just shut the fuck shut up. The fuck up. Usually what works for me is I just go out to my window and just say, shut the fuck up. And the dog usually shuts the fuck up. Isn't that, what's his name? From, uh, <laughs> from, uh, got me enthusiasm. There you go. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> now here's another one for the ladies or, or gentlemen, because we here at the weird and eerie, we don't discriminate on who you choose to love. Nah. So did you settle with a piece of shit husband who you are suspecting of cheating? Well, if you don't respect yourself enough to know your worth and leave that piece of shit, we can help. <laughs> Here is a spell to make that unsupportive man-child faithful. So first, you take first you take the marrow from the left leg of a wolf. Oh fuck, that sounds hard already. Next, with the marrow from the left leg of a wolf, you fill a case with St. Lucia wood. So you get a case, you put the Fucking marrow of the left leg of the wolf. Then you fill it with St. Lucia wood. Then you wrap the case with the wood and the leg inside it with a piece of velvet. And you carry it with you. And that should make your man faithful. Wait, what? Yep. Really trying to get a wolf. Or you can, you know, just dump his ass. I like that one better. But I know, and you know. You ain't quitting. And listeners, we all know plenty of people. Who'd rather make their life harder by doing this fucking spell oh, true, true. than leaving their insignificant other? True. So that's for those people. Respect. No respect. To yourself. Girl. Yeah. Or boy. Third. By any chance, any of our listeners, last night were you caught cheating during poker and were challenged to a duel? Well, do I have a spell for you that should keep you unharmed, my friend? So before the battle, write on some ribbon these words. Good Jacob, lock the right arm with his ribbon. Be without fear and defend yourself. And the sword of your enemy will not reach you. Grab this ribbon. Write that into the ribbon. You keep that ribbon on you. And during your duel, you will be unharmed. I promise you. I want to try that one out. (laughs) And finally, if you're ever in a situation where you need to extinguish a fire and you have no water around to assist you, don't worry because I got you. But you have to remember to say the following. Oh, great burning fire, I conjure you by the hand of the great living God to lose your heat. As Judas lost his color when he betrayed our Lord. On Good Friday, saying in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you repeat this three times to the fucking fire while kicking the ground. And the fire should go away. Those are just for everyday. You know, just for everyday. Everyday use. Just for everyday use. Now this one is for a lot of us. Me included. Are you a piece of shit? (laughs) Do you overeat like a motherfucker? 
Are you an overdrinker? Is procrastinating your favorite thing to do other than disappoint your parents? Well, if you are, do I got the perfect remedy for you, my friend? I got one word for you. Salt. Salt? Salt. If you're asking yourself, why salt? Well, let me tell you, you fucking waste of space. Oh, fuck. Salt has been used for centuries to purify, pe- to purify people's shit and to protect themselves. Any salt will do. Sea salt, artisanal salt, regular table salt. Pink Himalayan salt. That, whatever that is. Do you know why? Because all salt is made out of crystals. And we all know how sick crystals are when it comes to fucking magic. It's lit. So the salt is needed for a protective blessing. And yes, normally we would only need protection from our enemies. But if you are a piece of shit like myself, you know as well as I do that sometimes we are our own worst enemies. And since we're using this as a blessing spell, don't hesitate and please use the occasional booster to give yourself a little more blessing. And by booster, I mean doing this on a holiday booster. So you do this and the holiday booster is if you do a spell on Christmas Day or on Midsummer's Day, your spell will get that extra get that extra oomph. Oomph. There you go. So what you'll need is a white candle, a match, a half cup of salt, a tablespoon, a small plate, and a little water. So unlike many curses, you don't need to dim the light or do it at night. You don't need a goat to sacrifice. You don't need none of that shit. You can do this spell anytime you want. So what you do is, one, you light that fucking candle. Two, you place the plate in front of said candle. Three, scoop two tablespoons from the half cup of salt and spoon it over the plate. Three, you add enough water and mix it so until it becomes paste on the salt on the salt so sure. then you rub a little of that paste on your face and palms and then you repeat oh instruments by fire earth air and water i conjure you to banish foul to banish foul creatures from me and draw all virtue to me. Then you brush your face and hands off onto the plate. You pour the remaining salt on top of the plate. And then you just turn off the candle. You take the plate outside and you sprinkle the salt on the ground. And voila. You've been cured. You lazy piece of shit. <laughs> So now let's talk about a little bit about cursed items. There's a lot of cursed items out there, man. There's a shit ton of shit you don't want to fuck with. 
There's a lot. Annabelle's one, right? Yeah. Annabelle would consider one, right? She's a cursed item. She's a cursed item. Is she is she a cursed item or is she Cause it's because isn't Annabelle she's not really cursed, isn't it that she's just a be she's just like a beacon for negative energy? Does that count as being cursed? But containing it not the right way will curse you the fuck up. You're right. So you you're All fucked. Right. And speaking of that, we're going to start off with the haunted wedding dress for those who have seen the new Annabelle movie. The haunted wedding dress? The haunted wedding dress. I'm not sure if this is particularly the same dress that they talk about, but it is a haunted wedding dress. So this dress belonged to a young woman named Anna Baker. She became, uh, she came from a wealthy family, and when Anna found love with a quote-unquote low-class iron worker, her father refused to let her marry. She was so angry and bitter that she would not be married to her love. The family's home has now been turned into a museum in which they showcase the wedding dress and uh, that she had bought before her father sent her love away. So that what happened was is that she wanted to marry this dude. She didn't tell dad, hey, can I marry the dude? She went, go ahead. She went, she go ahead and, and bought the wedding dress, and then right when she was gonna say, "Hey, can I marry this dude?" She said, "Nah," while while she still had the wedding dress. Fuck yeah! It said that the dress moves in its case, especially on full moon nights, as though the dead bride is wearing it. She's admiring herself in the dress that she obviously never got to wear. Throughout her entire life, she was just a bitter lady and she never married she never married again wow yeah yeah that's kind of sad it's a horrible story and that's a like that's a pretty gothic image when you mentioned the wedding when the wedding dress is moving Mm. it's actually her admiring her reflection in that wedding dress that's actually very that's sad that's that that's a dope ass image like, it's scary. It's super goth. 10-10. Oh, 10-10? I like this one. So now we got the women from Leb Statue. I thought you were going to stop at the women. <laughs> we got the women. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's going to kill me. <laughs> Carved out of limestone, this little artifact was discovered in Lem, uh, Cyprus, in 1878. It's believed... To be uh, from 3500 BC. It is believed to have been owned by at least four different families. All of which died within a few years after having them. Terrified, the last surviving two uh, that the family donated were sent over to the Royal Scottish Museum. The museum curator who handed the statue allegedly died within a year. So you just don't fuck with this thing at all. Or you die. And then because we're in the age of modern technology, we have the cursed phone number. Cursed phone number? Yep. I know. Yes. Phone number. Hear me out. So it's particularly a Bulgarian phone number. All right. So I'm good. So here's the number. It's area code 359. A lot of people are already shitting it right now. 888. Less people are shitting it. 888. Even less. And then 888. 
This number was only active for 10 years during which it belonged to three different people. So what's the point? Well, in that time, it actually killed all three previous Fuck. owners of this phone number. The first cause of death was cancer. Cancer, And the other two, both of them were gunned down. <laughs> what a way to go, right? Holy s- After the third death, the phone company suspended the number. They're like, you know what? This shit's looking like coincidence. Gonna- I don't want this shit. Right. How long have... Uh, this is a cell phone. Is it a cell phone or a house? It was just a phone number. Not entirely sure it was a cell phone number or a house phone. Right, I was gonna say if it's a cell phone number, ten years is a long time. Yes, yeah. because cell phones have only been around since maybe the nineties. Yeah, and even then, those were like high end, like for rich people. Maybe it wasn't until the early two two thousand. Way more people started having when it was more yeah. affordable, and that's uh-huh. been twenty years. So, but if it's house number, that's just been around since forever. All right. The next piece we have is. The Bozano vase. And said that it must never be touched. Made in the 15th century by a maiden for her groom on her wedding day. Witnesses and locals claim that she was found murdered with a vase in her hand on the exact same night. Since then, the vase was passed on from family to family, claiming the lives of many. And in 1988, it was offered to many museums, which none of them wanted to fuck with. I ain't just that shit. This vase is now hidden away with a warning sign that say that I believe it said, this vase kills. That's just a warning? That's the warning. And no one dared to even look at what was inside of it until someone finally, like, oh shit, there's a fucking note in here and said, this vase kills. So don't fuck with that vase. And no one knows where it's at anymore. No, it's just hidden away. Now the museums are like, nope. Lastly, we got here a painting. One of my favorite websites. I like to buy shit, especially right now because I'm fixing my car. eBay. Fucking eBay, dude. So we have the Hands Resistum, which is known as a cursed painting. And this painting was painted in 1972. This is a painting. Wait, 1972? 1972. So it's a recent painting. It's a pretty recent painting. All right. So it's yeah. like 50 years old. Yeah. Okay. We'll post it up on on the on, on our Instagram, Instagram app. So you guys can see it. The Weird History. You read Toast Pod. It's a pretty eerie. Pretty it, look, eerie it, it looks weird. It, it looks creepy. Yeah. And it shouldn't, but it just looks creepy. Yeah. I think it's a little girl for me. The hands are whatever, but the little girl. It's weird. You'll see it. So the hands, the resistance was painted by... Bill Stone Ham. This painting blew up thanks to eBay as someone listed it there. He created this painting because at that time he was being commissioned by a gallery owner no- known as uh, Charles Garden at two paintings a month uh, at $200 each. Bill says that he was inspired by a childhood photo of him with his friend in front of a glass door. The way he breaks it down is that the boy is him. The hands you see against the window slash glass door are other people's lives. And there's more to it, but for now, the real cheese may comes in. The first owner that claimed the hands had moved, the next owners all experienced the same thing. Also, so according to the few owners, that the hands in the painting are moving. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Not only did the painting seem to have a life of its own, 
But there was a family who got a hold of it and said that their daughter would tell them about how she would see the kids in the painting coming to life and moving around in the room at night. What fucking creepy, bro. Many past owners died, such as actor John Marley, and the painting had disappeared for many years until 2000 when it was placed for bidding on eBay. The family that was selling uh, was one with the daughter who claimed at night with the kids, uh, but they did not play. They would argue. So, which obviously terrified the girl. Fuck yeah. You know, great memory for a four-year-old. They decided to place this motion motion sensing cameras uh, when reviewing the footage they saw that the boy in the painting was actually leaving the frame and coming into the room apparently running from fear is there is that footage available i want to see that fucking holy shit we got to find that footage so now this is the posting this is original posting on ebay and what the person described uh from that painting. So, starting bid for this painting, first of all, was $199. $199, yeah. all right. There are 30 bids. I don't know how many people actually bid on them, but there are 30 bids. So, thir- a number of people were interested, and eventually this thing sold for $1,025. Fuck. Yeah. The creepy part about it is I just noticed that location of this place, meaning the owner, the last owner of this painting before it was sold on eBay, it was actually right around the corner from us. Isile. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so this is what the painting said, or the, the description of the painting. The post. Okay. The post. When we received this painting, we thought it was really good art, and a quote-unquote picker had found it and abandoned behind an old brewery. At that time, we wondered a little why a seemingly perfectly fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't. One morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. Now, I don't believe in UFOs or Elvis being alive, but my husband was alarmed. To my amusement, he set up a motion-triggered camera for the nights. After three nights, there were pictures. There were pictures. The last two... My dyslexia is acting up. The last two pictures shown are from the stakeout. Oh, I want to see this freaking post, man. After seeing the boy seemingly ex- exiting the painting under threat, we decided that the painting had to go. Please judge for yourself. Before you do, please read the following warning and disclaimer. Warning. Do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related disease, faint of heart, or unfamiliar with supernatural events. By bidding on this painting, you agree to release the owners of all liability in relation to the cell or any events happening after the cell that might be contributed to this painting. The painting may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. However, by bidding, you agree to exclusively bid on the value of the artwork with disregard of the last two photos featured in this auction and hold the owners harmless in regard to them 
and their impact expressed or implied. Now that we got that out of the way, one question to you eBayers. We want our house to be blessed after the painting is gone. Does anybody know who is qualified to do that? They're in East LA. The fucking church is everywhere. You go around the corner, you'll find someone. But that was definitely the creepiest one. And do they show the pictures? In this post, no, because what happens is that when eBay uh, is done with whatever post, like they're done. Oh, they're, it takes they don't, down. Don't archive them or anything like that. And this is literally someone, I guess, took a screenshot of just the description and all that shit. Oh shit! Yeah. So no one knows where. But no one knows what the actual what those pictures, those, those photos look like. I want. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna look really hard to see if I could find those freaking photos. And if we do find them, we'll post them on our Instagram. Oh hell at yeah! The weird history it retells pod. So that is it. That is our episode about all things cursed and all things curses. Thank you guys for joining us. Again, my brother didn't join us for today, but that's just a one-off just because he's a cursed asshole. He's cursed. He's his curse. But thank you guys so much. Thank you guys as always. You can find everything we talked about in this episode. You can, we, we, we post pictures. Find all of that on our Instagram at the Weird History Gary Tells Pod. Speak, speaking of pictures, uh, this weekend we went to a homie's uh baby shower and one of moses homies actually is a really good listener of our show and then he went up to josh because he knows josh too and then he asked him hey who's that third guy who <laughs> who's the third guy who's part of the podcast he was referencing me it's like oh yeah he's over there he's fucking sitting down next next to our other homie it's like oh that's him I go up to him, I'm like, hey, what's up? Do I do I look the way I sound? <laughs> oh, what do you say? <laughs> no, they're just laughing. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so basically, um, this friend that Audrey's talking about, he's a really old friend of mine. He's related to one of my closest friends. And we've known each other for since I was, I think, middle school. Yeah. I think I've known um, Emmanuel, his his whole family, his girlfriend, Fergie. I've re- I've known them all for for years and years and years, and they started following my first podcast, Keepers of the Phil. Yeah, and he really enjoyed it. So when that ended, and then we started this one, he converted and he started listening, and he's been a listener ever since since day one. He's always like he would tell me, "Dude, I love." He this. listened to the Atlantis episode. He listens. He listens to everything right now, and um, he's um. He's going for his master's. Congratulations right hey. now. He's going to Penn State. I think it's Penn State. He's yeah. up there with his girlfriend, Fergie. And um, they're like, dude, I love this episode. La, 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 la. And they know about me. Well, obviously, they know me and my brother, and they wanted to know who the third person was. And it happened. And you were, <laughs> you happened to be there. And, you know, he's, you know, you guys met, introduced to, introduced to each other. And, um, yeah, like, recently we've been getting a lot of good feedback. Whether it's on Instagram or on iTunes, people are enjoying the show. People are saying, you know, a lot of good things, which is fucking inc- amazing. It's, crazy, it's fucking crazy thinking that you know that people actually enjoy listening to us rant and stutter and mispronounce every other fucking word. We're not professionals, guys. Sorry, we are professionally stupid. <laughs> yeah, we are professionals, guys. There you go. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. Every time, every every comment, every. A- anything 
It really, really, really makes our day. Every time we see something, I always text these guys because I'm, I'm the one who handles social media, and yeah. I always text these guys yeah. the screenshots and things. Everyone and these guys are always like, "Damn, what the hell? That's dope. That's it's crazy, cool. Dude. It's crazy." So thank crazy. you guys so much. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode. You know what's crazier about this episode? Minus the uh, roundtables, minus the mini episodes. You know what episode number we're in? 50? It's 50. This is 50. 5 man. That's crazy. My last podcast, we only went up to 28. And that was a weekly podcast. Well, we started off bi-weekly, and then we started doing weekly. But yeah. those episodes were like 30 minutes. Yeah. But, yeah, man, thank you guys so much. As long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep stuttering our way through episodes. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. Don't worry. Next episode, my brother should join us. He's, he's just caught up. He, we'll, just, he we'll, just, we'll take a look into uh, Moses' book so you can find a curse to uncurse Josh. Yeah, so what, yeah. there you go. That's what I'm going to do. There you go. I'm going to do that. And again, if you guys want to look at any of these sources, any of these books, these books are amazing reads. Uh, one of the books called The Little Book of Curses and Maledictions for Everyday Use by Don Ray Downton. And then we have another one that's amazing. It's called Evil Archaeology, Demons, Possessions, and Sinister Relics by Heather Lynn. I'm going to post the links for, for you guys to purchase those books on the show notes. These are just, no no one gives us books. No, no one sponsors. No, it's just books that I think of a topic. I buy the books and 